Many people have problems with art and not with reality. So what is art different? It's pretty simple, right? This is knowledge, this is thinking, this is thought. Yeah, it does something strange with your head. Welcome to the Undergang Armchair. Bring it. Welcome to the Undergang Armchair. My name is Ando. All right, we are back once again. Thanks for joining us, guys. We just had a whole weekend at Code Art Fair, you know, uh, selling our snake oil to the uninformed public, stuff like that. Actually, it was another in a series of attempts to engage with an art-going public and to try to get a hold of folks to come on the program, meet people, talk about stuff, talk about art. I would say it was a mixed blessing for me. There are certainly some lessons to be learned for the next time around. But we did talk to a lot of people. We saw a hell of a lot of art, and we moved a lot of furniture in and out. It turns out it is actually hard to get people on the mic. Uh, I think art fairs, as much as they might seem like a lot of people standing around and chatting about nothing, is actually a lot of work. People are exhausted. People are constantly trying to make connections, looking forwards. They're not really present in a lot of ways. So it also didn't help much that we ended up in kind of a strange middle hallway. Next time around, we definitely need a spot kind of more central inside of the actual art fair. But we did have two great talks with two cool new friends. Martina Tozzi from the uh, newish gallery, Cinnamon, which is based out of Rotterdam and has a really... Um, forward-thinking kind of platform. They had a really great stand during the fair. And we also talked to Stephen Cox, the Scottish painter, writer, and he's the proprietor of a little site you're going to love, which is called Hunted Projects. Be sure to check out the links to that on the show notes page for this episode. They both came by, talked about their work, their impressions of the fair, and about art in general. If you guys were at Code, I'd be really interested in hearing what you thought also, you can write into us. Everything's there on our website, undergang.net. But I'll leave it at that. Let's go straight into it. I'm here with uh, Cinnamon. We are a young gallery um, based in Rotterdam, the Netherlands, mm -hmm. and we just started a little more than one year and a half ago. Oh, wow. Yeah, we're, we're kind really of new. That's really new. Yes, we're kind of new. That's exciting. Yes, <laughs> very so much. What's your role there? Um, I'm the assistant of Peter. Peter is uh, the owner and the founder of Cinnamon, yeah. and uh, his background, I, he was an artist before. And after a while, he just decided to open a gallery because he thought it would be really interesting to nourish and find and expose new artists in the international scene. So he spent almost a year doing some research around, asking other gallerists and visiting art fairs himself as a visitor, of course. Mm -hmm. And then he made a decision. He found a place and uh, he started a gallery in Rotterdam. That's pretty wild. I mean, considering how hard a business it is uh, to get into, you know, yes. it's so protective and it's so closed off in a lot of ways. In a way it is, um, but um, 
I had an internship with him for five months, so from February till June. And during that time, we spoke a lot about the art world, and I asked him a lot of questions. And in reality, I thought it would have been much more competitive and much more closed off. Hmm. But he told me that actually most of the galleries are quite happy to give advice and to share how they started their own company, their own gallery itself. That's nice to hear. That's not the usual story that you hear. It's you not know. the usual story, but uh, also my assistant, Sylvia. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's planning to open a gallery. She's opening a gallery herself. Oh, wow. In, uh, in the Den Haag, in The Hague. Mm-hmm. And um, she did some research herself. And she said that a lot of people are really open to, to give advice. And Peter was one of these persons. Well, that's great. I mean, yeah, it's just, uh, it's not the usual story. But yeah, I mean, have you guys been... So you're only a year and a half old, you say? Yes. We, we opened in April 2014. How... I mean, obviously, there's, there's kind of... There's, it's not uncommon that, that, gal, that artists open galleries, in a way. Um, I mean, there's one here, for example, in Copenhagen. Yes. Um, and he did it because he said he was tired of seeing all his friends kind of like good artists, people yes. in his network being passed over and no one ah. was showing the work. So he decided mm-hmm. to do it as kind of a, you know, it sounds maybe a little fluffy to say a community <laughs> thing, but yes. you know, he did it because he was part of something he could see and he yes. wanted to, to show that. Uh, did Peter feel the same way or was it more? Um, I think it was much more of a um, fascination about how the art world works um, in the sense of how it's commercialized, how it's distri- distributed, how it's advertised. Right. Um, from from one end of the studio, you always had very much of a passion of connecting with people and going um, around at openings and in museum, talking to the curators, to the right, right person, and meeting them. So um, I think he always had this fascination, and he decided to pursue it a little bit more. Mm. But um, what I what I think what I admire most of him is um, um, the, not naive naivety, but um, this kind of thrill that he still gets at looking at other people's work. You really have to be able to keep that, you exactly. know, because after you, you just think about people, you know, maybe who've been in it for twenty years and they yeah. get that, that that thousand yard yeah. stare in their eyes, you know, where it's just kind of like, oh, yeah. just get me through this, you know. Yeah, I agree. And uh, no, I think. Um, he, he still has that, even though he's seen a lot of art and he produced a lot of art himself. Mm-hmm. But um, that, that's what I think is most precious about him. Mm. What about you? Do you come from an art history background or are you I, also an artist? I, I'm, I'm a photographer myself. Yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> so, yes, I come from um, an artistic background. Mm. Um, I, I'm actually originally from Italy. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. I moved here, um, I moved, sorry, to the Netherlands, in Ro- to Rotterdam, to study photography as well mm-hmm, mm-hmm. at the uh, Willem de Koning Academy. And uh, from that, I found um, Peter through an internship. And uh, I thought that it would have been, I, I was really willing to work in a gallery, so not for an artist, because right. uh, I was interested in myself in how the art market works. And... But at the same time, I like very much the environment of Cinnamon, how it is also because it was a starting, it was a new gallery. Right. So a lot of the things are, um, all the roles are not exactly fixed. So there is a lot of, of 
uh, maneuver in a way to experiment, to see, to um, get to know how it's done behind the scenes. And that's what I really appreciated in the, in the five months that I spent there. Mm. Um, but I think in a way that also the artistic background is uh, it's really important. Yeah, and I think a lot of people, you know, either it's usually art history or, or practice yeah. themselves who, who kind of bring people into it. And then the danger is as a working, mm-hmm. uh, as, as a, a studio artist or, you know, or someone with a practice, you can fall into the, the, the commercial side of it, you know. Yeah. And yeah. it's, it's a weird balance because it's really important to have yeah. that view, too, to mm-hmm. really know how it works. That's super important. Uh, you know, it's part of the reason that this podcast exists is to is to talk to people and see yes. how things work, mm-hmm. because it isn't a mystery. Yes. In reality, it may feel like it. It may look like some sort of closed off, walled off system, but you just have to get a job or some do something connected yeah. to it, and then all of a sudden, it's just it's humans trying to do their best exactly. at whatever it is yeah. they might be doing. You know? Yeah, trying to live off. Yeah. Of their means. Yeah, it's very true. Um, at the same time, I think. It, it seems closed off uh, from the artist from from the artist's point right. of view uh, because it's something they don't teach you at school in a way they try to prepare you for what's out there but they you will never know enough or right. what's going on even though your your teachers are artists themselves so in a way they have had experience with this kind of uh, dynamics yeah. Uh, but it's something that you discover uh, maybe a little by little. So it looks very close off at the beginning. But like you said, once you start, it's it just goes a little bit with the flow. Yeah. It's hard, too, though, the whole, like, how do you approach, you know, because a- as soon as you're in a position of showing artwork or mm-hmm. having some sort of... Um, platform yes. for artwork people come just yeah. flying at you you know and it's really hard you have to put up some sort of wall because you can't you could spend all day mm-hmm. answering emails yeah you know just from people saying hey i want to show work that you know and so there has to be some sort of filter some sort of yeah. of way to go through it and and you really realize that when you get on the other side yes. how much shit comes flying in your face <laughs> every day uh, you know and that's tough it's tough because you know you may Perfectly good artists, nice people, people yeah. you'd want to engage with. Uh, if they come at you at the wrong day in the wrong way, you yeah. just can't. You don't have the energy to deal with it. Yeah, in a way, that's very true. Um, what I think Peter does while selecting artists, or um, more than what he does, what he tries to uh, always keep in mind is that uh, you have to be thrilled about the work. If it doesn't convince you 100%, if there is something that you cannot exactly figure out. I'm, it's not that it's not worth showing it, but um, you wouldn't have the same passion in advertising it and uh, making up an exhibition. It's hard to sell something you don't love. Exactly. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. Yeah. So in in a way, um, one, of, one of the advice advices that he gave is uh, uh, not to show your grandmother's paintings just because they're your grandmother's. Right. Or your friends. Or your exactly. friends, which is which is even a little bit more yeah. uh, harder because if you come from an artist's background, there is really a lot good, a lot good, a lot of good stuff. Totally around. Totally, and I mean it's 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 tough because you maybe want to help people. You yes. like people, you know. Personal relationships can actually kind of get in the way. Sometimes, sometimes it does. Also, because artists are, are kind of like 
extensions themselves. Yeah. They have different personalities. They have different way of working. So you, you, you have to, not saying deal with that, but you have to take that into account. Right. But that does not mean that it has to stop you from, from showing them or featuring them at an art fair. Right. Right. If, if you feel that way about exactly. the work. Absolutely. Do you have a, are you at all part of the selection of artists or the curation or are you more in the practical level? Um, n- not not re- not really in the sense that we we discuss with about the artists themselves mm. uh, themselves but um, it's more of an opinion of what do you think about this? Right. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about yeah, it. Yeah, so yeah. um we we try to play ourselves like one of one of the two is like the devil's advocate. And That's if, good. if That's good. yeah, exactly. If at the end of the conversation, he's still convinced, then it then it's okay. Then it's right, good. Right. But um, coming also from different background because Peter is a painter, so he's he's really good at selecting artists, painters, and yeah, people that have that kind of ability. Uh, and I'm not, but I'm a photographer. So at the same time, uh, when, when I see an artist or someone who uses photographs of himself to to produce other words, mm-hmm. I have a really different point of view, and um, that kind of compensates a little bit because Peter he is not a photographer himself; he doesn't know what what kind of technique is behind it. And right. I've had a little bit more experience, but in the selection, sometimes there there also come this um, um, abilities in a way. Right, a diverse develop. backgrounds exactly. helps kind of create some sort of synergy. Do you uh, do you guys like, or can you see from his side any sort of uh, greater plan for what he wants to build, or is it really just gut level? I like this. I don't like this. No, I, it's um, he's very um, he he does a plan which goes also f- through the year. So I think. Uh, in June, we had already established, um, I think, 80% of the program of this wow. year, of this yeah. season. Well, that makes sense, yeah. Um, maybe not 80, but a good 70%. Mm-hmm. Also, because um, after the first year, you feature some you feature some artists that you really like, and they have new work to show, new works to show. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, he's very oriented also in this in art fairs, for example. So um, we applied for a bunch of art fairs and uh, we participated at a lot of art fairs for a gallery that only has one and a half years. That is, uh, that was something I wanted to ask about, about what, I mean, because it seems like, I don't want to say it's early, but it seems like you guys are yeah. really just going for it in terms yes. of art fairs. And that's true. It is the primus motor for a lot of yeah. uh, of the art world now. And it's where you meet people. It's where you talk about. Yes. Uh, you, you see new artists, a uh, whole thing. It all happens around art fairs, but they're, they're, they're expensive. They're very expensive. <laughs> but um, the thing is that Peter strives to be as international as possible. Good idea. So um, I think the Netherlands, we only participated at Art Rotterdam, mm-hmm. which is the art fair of our own city. So in, in, in a way, it makes sense that we, we are there, we are present there. Uh, but at the same time, um, the art fairs gives you a really big chance to show your work and connect with people in different regions of, of Europe, because this is, for example, our first Scandinavian art fair. We participated in, in, uh, 
in Artisma in Turin mm-hmm. last year. We are doing another project the next month. No, yes, October in Turin again. Mm-hmm. So we're trying, and we had, for example, another project in Brussels. So we, what he, we are trying to do, what he's trying to do, is um, is trying to show him, himself, the gallery, the artist, as more international as possible. So, of course, it comes with a cost. But if you are willing to invest in it, if you have the possibility to do it, then I would suggest you to do it. It's the fastest way. It's the fastest way. It's the way. fastest, it's the most um, effective way just to get exactly. out there. It's the most effective way. You know, and, and there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of meowing about art fairs and their role, yeah. uh, and you know it's not it's not necessarily unfounded either. Uh, but like it or not, mm-hmm. this is the system we're living in right now. Yes, and this is, you know, like you say, if you want to be international on any sort of level outside of the city where you're located, you got to go to these art fairs. Yeah, it's 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 the clubhouse, it's the group, it's the it's the roving pack yeah. of maniacs. You know, it's everything. Yeah, that's and, very uh, true. Like you say, it's it's probably the best investment there could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. you know, in order to to get out there, and also just if you want to see new artists. Yeah, that's very true. And uh, for, actually, we we I made a I made a mistake before. Uh, we had participated also at Unseen, which is a photography fair. Mm-hmm, that's a great fair in Amsterdam. In, exactly. But um, the the nice thing is that um, Peter chose to show a group of artists that uses uh, photography as a medium, but they don't do photographs. And I think that's also important because um, even though it's uh, one medium. Um, art fair, mm-hmm. you still try to bring something new in it. Right. And in a way, that's also um, a good way of meeting people in galleries that are from another background, that have another aim. Sure. Well, there's a whole there's a whole photo world going on in Amsterdam exactly. now. There's a whole thing happening. Yeah, that's very true. And you can totally see it through Unseen and Foam. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're really, there's, there's a very kind of like there's a movement going on yeah. down there. And that's, that's uh, you know, that's also good to take part in that. But you don't have to do what everyone else is doing. Bring something else, you know. Yeah. And uh, I've been meaning to get down there. I really do want to check it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, foam seems really nice. But, I mean, it must be exciting for you personally as a photographer, too, to be in Amsterdam. And, or, sorry, to be in uh, Holland. Yeah. And, uh, you know, kind of being near some sort of movement that's happening. Yeah. Well, in, in a way it's true, uh, but it also, I'm sorry, it's quite a close-off city as, um, as far as the art scene goes, mm-hmm. in a sense that uh, it very tries to keep to itself. Right. Well, it's the big city. They it's have, the they have city. their reputation to keep up. It's that, New York. That's very it's, true. It's uh, London. It's yeah. yeah. <laughs> But in a way, um, also the, the, um, the, there was a choice of being established in Rotterdam. It's not something that just happened. Okay. And it's the fact that uh, in, in Rotterdam, even though you have quite a lot of, um, of art galleries by itself and a really big art scene, um, even on the photography side, uh, you don't have that kind of close... Um, like close ranks, you right. have the kind of freedom to experiment quite a lot. A little more open. A little bit more open. So it's um, you have a little bit more breath, and that also comes with the fact that um, there are different artists that you would like to feature, and also of what 
the art scene brings into Rotterdam, which is a little bit more experimental mm-hmm. than what they do in Amsterdam. Is the public of Rotterdam very supportive? Are they? Uh... Uh, yes, I think the um, both people that live in it, so the inhabitants and both um, the tourists. Mm-hmm. For example, we we had um, th- there was a really big uh, exhibition of um, Ugo Rondinone in May, and now we have Olaf Oreljason at the Boymans. That'll bring a lot of people. That it 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 really does, yeah. but it's very experimental. And um, if you don't have the space, if you don't have uh, the open mindness to do it, it seems just a little bit too much, just a little bit too contemporary, just. Mm. Uh, not enough so the public can appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's always that weird balance you have to run, you know. Exactly. Is, but, go ahead. No, but in, in a way, I think it's, um, it's much more interesting if you take this kind of risk, that you show something that maybe cannot be shown anywhere else. It's so tough, you know, because it is a matter of making sure you've got enough to make it happen. And, uh, you know, enough, uh, it's far enough out there to keep it interesting. Yes. You know, it's that weird balance because if you exactly. go too far out, it can be hard to secure uh, enough money to keep the doors open. Yeah. You know, and it's just that weird balance, you know, and people also get tired of working for free for years and years <laughs> and years. You know, yeah, it's, it's really interesting to get something up and going. But at a certain point, you're like, I would just like people to go on vacation. Yes. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yes. That's very true. And so there's that weird, weird uh, kind of mix. Um, of, of, of kind of desires and realities and, and all that sort of stuff that needs to come together in, in you know, in creating a space. And there's all yeah. sorts of different concerns. And it's the same with an art fair, too. You probably want to come and create something crazy, but you also have yeah. to concern yourself with making enough money to pay for your trip, at least. Exactly. Yeah. Luckily, uh, in the Netherlands, you have, um, I think, I, I don't know about the other countries, but I think you have a wider possibilities uh, regarding the funding and the helps from the government, for example, we there's the Mondrian Funds mm-hmm. in uh, the Netherlands mm-hmm. who also helped us with some funding uh, for for the booth. That's uh, great. Code. It gives you so much freedom. Exactly, and um, maybe it also it, it gives you freedom and it's less stressful. I mean, you are able to enjoy the fair a little bit more mm-hmm. and not to are just we tackle just to tackle every person that comes in and says do you want to buy it right, you, right, want right. It? <laughs> you need to save our day <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 i mean that's that's the unfortunate reality in a lot of these cases but uh but i mean here also here in denmark there's a pretty tremendous support system that's for nice. the arts which does give you know, a certain degree of freedom, at least from the absolute mm-hmm. grinding pressure, just to keep things going. You know, I have a lot of appreciation now for how hard it is to run a commercial art space. Yeah. Uh, because it's not just, uh, you know, it's every exhibition you have to sell. Mm-hmm. Something. Uh, yeah. Something needs to happen, you know. Yeah, I agree. And uh, if something doesn't happen, at least you have a little bit more time, in a way, as well, to... Right to try and see how, how it could be better, how it right. could change. Right, and you have to foster relationships and you have to, you know, you know, you need you need people who come and support what it is you do. Yes, I agree. Is also, ro- but both financially but also um, on a personal level. Right, I think. absolutely. Is, uh, is Rotterdam the second largest city in Holland? Um, I think it's uh, The Hague, the second largest. Okay. Um, also because The Hague, uh, as a... It's more international in the sense there are a lot of 
embassies there mm. and um, so it's the, um, not the financial but the political uh, pole in the Netherlands uh, Rotterdam is quite large more for the um, uh, conurbation of the city it used to be an industrial city right or very very industrial. we have a really big uh, shipyard we have right, a really big right. port that's right that's that's mainly the, the yeah the, the reason of the city itself mm. Um, the reason I ask is because I really mm-hmm. love. Uh, it's kind of like what you were talking about earlier about how uh, how Amsterdam is a little more closed mm-hmm. off, a little more perhaps conservative. Yes, and it's the same in a lot of places. It's the same. Uh, I lived in Chicago mm-hmm. for a couple of years, and it is way more kind of like ah, we'll just fucking try it. You know, fly. You know, a little more punk rock, I guess you yeah. could say. And it's the same. Uh, the, the second largest city in Denmark is called Aarhus. It's the same sort of deal there. Like yeah. the bigger, more established cities, the capitals, the ones with uh, you know old uh, art scenes, those sort yeah. of things. They have actually they have the tendency to be a little bit more conservative and a little bit harder to get into. I think it also becomes with the um, history of of the city in the sense that Rotterdam was uh, bombarded in mm-hmm. the Second World War, so the old the upper north part of the city center was raised to the ground. They had to rebuild everything. It only it was only my academy, one city, one uh, hotel in the city center, and um, and um, and the cathedral that stayed up. Wow. And also this fact that they had to rebuild it, they had to make it new, and they're um, they're always trying to change for the better and for the mod- modern looks mm-hmm. in a way. It also gives you that uh, that kind of feeling for um, your life in a way. Itself. Right, the building forward, the exactly. Make, the building from from the rubble, making new things. And happen. yeah, and also the the the, the constant renewal mm-hmm. in a way. Mm-hmm. Well, who do you have with you guys? I want to hear a little bit about who you're showing at oh, your yeah. booth this time. Yeah, um, so we're showing one, two, three, four artists. Um, we um, It's two Dutch artists and two Norwegian artists. So on the Norwegian side, we have um, Johanna Heswell, which, um, who is a new, very young Norwegian artist. Um, that makes is very much concerned with the politics, with the um, mechanics of minimalism, and she's um, doing this new series of modified windshields, which is also what we're showing here. And uh, she was featured also in um, um, an, an exhibition in uh, in Italy that um, was made to show new Scandinavian artists, so from. Denmark, Sweden, Norway, Finland, Sweden. Where was that? Uh, in uh, Brescia. Okay. It's a small center, a mm-hmm. small town near the um, Garda Lake. So she she did this really interesting exhibition with uh, it, with with another group with within a, this group of artists, and um, Peter decided to feature her in uh, September for the upcoming season. Mm-hmm. So for the opening of the season, and uh, she's going to do a. Do a solo gallery, so she will have the front of the gallery for, for her own, her own works. Mm. And um, as also in in the Norwegian scene, we're uh, showing Lars Morel, who uh, is um, we can say mid mid career artist, and um, he's very much interested in the dynamics of illusion, and illusionism, and that um, is always referring to those 
uh, big stage stage illusion. Those um, really kind of classic, exactly. almost uh, you know, suit and tie or it, yeah, uh, bow with tie, a top hat, big hat, yeah, exactly. And um, but he, uh, for for example, we we are exposing here, which is also what we expose in uh, Art Rotterdam and at our gallery, a series that is called Income Paper. And um, from the Dutch side, from the Dutch art scene, uh, we have uh, Paul Geele, who is a um, Dutch artist that uh, is very much concerned with the um, discovering of the new life elixir. So making a sculpture out of a liquid. And then we have Isabel Andriessen, and uh, she is um, an Amsterdam-based artist. She's also Dutch. She's also Dutch. Mm. She's also very Dutch. Actually, she's um, she studied in Malmo for her oh, master. Yeah. That's a very good school, actually. It's a really big school, and uh, she studied in Malmo for her for her master, and that's why also she's uh, showing the same piece that we have here in a, in an exhibition in uh, in October, I think. Mm-hmm. So, if you want to go and see it, it's at Gallery CC in Malmo. In Malmo. And um, we're showing... He's, she's very much concerned with um, art pieces that change during the time. Mm-hmm. So, um, for example, her, her first exhibition, Cinnamon, was, um, was featuring a word called the mesh, which consisted in this uh, uh, perforated metal slabs, really big metal slabs, um, on which uh, mushroom grew. I've seen those, I think. And it, 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 it's really nice because she built her own uh, evaporator, so to, 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 of course, evaporate water and keep the... Right, the, 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 humid the, for, the moist in, yeah. the, in the room. And the thing is that the first day, couple of days, you couldn't see anything. And then if you could come back, you could see the mushroom just the tiniest bit and then growing so each day it looks different. It looks different, yeah. and that's also what um, what she did with with this piece, um, on which she had a different kind of inspiration because uh, she was concerned, she was inspired by the post-apocalyptic landscape. Mm-hmm. So she was trying to see to give a feeling of how, um, yeah, this this landscape would feel after. The extension, the extension of uh, of the human race. Now I gotta say, for a commercial gallery, this sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, I mean, it gets a good amount. It's good for attention, but it's hard to sell. It's hard to sell, but um, at the same time, I think it's it's so wonderful because it's a piece. That it's always new. That well, the it's truth is, there's different. also a career in the arts where uh, you do exhibitions. You don't have yeah. to sell necessarily, and you can have a relationship to a commercial gallery, which, which, um, you know, tries to work with your existing practice yeah. of of temporal or impermanent uh, types of work. Yeah, I agree. But um, I, I think also in the booth we try to keep it. In between, in mm. the sense that also mm. when we featured Isabella in Turin with the, with the mesh, so with the mushroom piece, uh, a lot of people uh, came for the attention of what that artwork was uh, was capturing right. and looked at the booth. And also with, with the pieces that we have here, there are some, I'm, I'm, I don't want to use the word commercial, but there are some uh, approachable pieces. Right. And others like this, which take the attention Right, but at the same time, it's it's a good balance. It's a very good balance, I think. 
So what's next for you guys? I mean, it's weird to ask that if you're only a year and a half old, you know, but what's, uh, what's, yeah, what's, uh, I mean, what, what's the future look like? What's the next year look like? Um, we have uh, the opening of um, uh, Johanna Hesfold featuring another artist uh, in September. So basically the week after we came back from, mm-hmm. from, <laughs> from COVID sure. and uh, from Marseille because Peter is now in Marseille showing at Artorama. Oh, wow. So you guys are in two fairs right yes, now? Yes, we are in two fairs. Good times, we, good yeah, times. we are Team North. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so we're, we, yeah, basically the, we can say the season started off with, with these two big fairs. Right. And we're starting the season at the gallery with, with uh, this exhibition. And then we have um, Unseen Art Fair. That's coming up, fair. that's right. Um, at the end of October, if mm-hmm. I'm not uh, mistaken. Mm-hmm. And then we have a project, which is called Dama. And it's going to be featured in, um, in Turin at um, Palazzo di Saluzzo. And then we have, of course, another other exhibition coming in. Sure. And for more or less, this is the first part of the program. Then um, I think we have Art Rotterdam as well in uh, February. And we're trying to see if we can, uh, if we can be accepted at uh, Miami, mm-hmm. at Mirrors. Mm-hmm. We're, we're trying to always be active in that right. sense and see, and see what, what the chances are that come in as well. Sounds like you guys have a lot to do yes. for the next couple of months. <laughs> yes. <laughs> cool. Well, That's thank you true. so much for coming over and, uh, and talking to me. Well, thank you to you. It was, uh, it was wonderful. It was really nice. There we go. Is it good? It is good. Okay. Cool, man. Thanks for finally sitting down. No problem. No problem. Um, so I guess, yeah, we just met each other, but uh, you're doing a lot of things here, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm doing a few things here, yeah. Um, primarily came over to see friends, see some interesting work, and then doubled up with um, going to be writing a, a review of the fair for uh, Blue and Art Info. Well, not only that, you're also a working artist yourself. Yes, I am. But um, I'm not exhibiting here at Code uh, this year. So. Sure, but it's always a good thing to uh, get out, meet people. Yeah, of course. You know, I think if anything, because um, I don't have that kind of connection uh, with a fair by showing my work, it kind of puts me in that position where I'm a little bit more free just to kind of talk to whoever I want to talk to. Whereas the artists who are present, they're all pretty much um, just staying at their own booth. You know, and they're not right. really moving around too much. Right, that's that. I've definitely found that to be true here. Just trying to get people to uh, to come by to this little media hallway here, this purgatory. Yeah, it's a little yeah. bit like limbo. It's <laughs> funny, it's funny because people when they're here at an art fair, they're really kind of uh, very focused on whatever it is they're focused on, whether it's selling or or talking to people or you know whatever it might be. Yeah. So you'd think it'd be more of a free for all, but it's it's actually people are busy, people are working. Well, they didn't look too busy for the first few days. <laughs> well, there wasn't a lot of people. That is true. Yeah, but it's looking good today, and there's actually people interested in, in walking around and yeah. uh, acting very intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the big problem is that, you know, it's the first edition of this fair, and they got a bunch of galleries from outside of Denmark to come, also pretty far away, you know, without having any sort of foundation. They don't know what, what, the, what the deal's 
you know. Yeah, they have no, no, no idea if there's like even a market for some of these artists in Denmark itself. And I think, um, like, one of the things I was saying the other night was, you know, Copenhagen isn't really... Um, you know, like one of these cities where people travel through. Like, for instance, when you go to like uh, Brussels, for instance, it's in the middle of Central Europe, and also at the same time, people go, you know, can go in there and out there really quite easily. Um, whereas, like Copenhagen is more of a very specific city where you have to come here just, you know, for one main reason. You know, what I mean, it's. Um, yeah, I don't know if I'm explaining that very well, but uh, when it comes to some of the galleries, it's like a big challenge and also um, a risk for them almost, because I think it's a very narrower um, demographic that might buy the work, uh, and the audience is obviously much smaller. Well, in a small, co- I mean, remember Denmark's only six million people, right? Yeah. So there's only so many collectors, of course, and they already have their relationships because there's a hell of a lot of galleries here already. Yeah, you know, and now, so so you know what what is the actual demand? But it's going to be hard without without people supporting the uh, the the foreign galleries. Uh, this fair would not exist, really. Mm. Yeah, you know, and and so it's going to be really tough to to keep doing it unless they feel like they want to participate yeah absolutely absolutely it's also as well if you know if the audience actually enjoys the fair too because they might not be interested in in some of the galleries but uh, being here it's an interesting kind of division between like the selected fair and also code um Obviously, Code is much more contemporary, more established, bigger names. Um, and I think that all, you know, people who come along here and pay to be here, I think they might be a little bit confused. So, um, I, Yeah, it is unclear. And people actually stop here in front of my stand and ask me, how do I get out? What's going on over here? Wait, wait, yeah. there's another fair? You know, it has been, it has been fairly unclear mm-hmm. for a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, and I think, I think that's probably problematic. Uh, sure, but yeah, definitely. But you know, for the first year, as well, it's um, you know there, there'll be a few issues. I'm sure they'll iron out for the next edition. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, I think overall it's, it's strong. You know, there's some good work in there. Some good galleries that are very well respected. I think um, Code looks great. Yeah, absolutely. It, and it's a great space too. It's almost like they should do it where there's like there's a, a three minute walk between the fairs you know you have to cross some sort of space or boundary where they're like oh no that's over there you know you're like oh okay and then you hoof it over there and it it has its own vibe in a way you know yeah sure sure I agree with that but even here it's um, it's a little divide but it's maybe not big enough really and at the same time too um, like when there's bigger fairs happening you know like like in Brussels for instance um you know, you get the collectors going there and they know they could jump between different fairs, but probably see the same artists they like or the same kind of uh, style of work they like. But here, very much, you've got one type of collector who will either do code or do selected. I, I don't think the same type of collector would do both affairs because they're so opposite. I agree. So it's... Um, it's also a little tricky, right? Yeah, yeah. Because you, know, you maybe say Basil and Volta or, you know, some of those other ones. They're, yeah. they, they, you know... It's not as much the style of art that's different. It's the how long the gallery's been around, how long they've been networking, et cetera. Like, there's just as good art. Yeah, yeah. Maybe a little more experimental or whatever. But here they are really, in a lot of ways, night and day, at least to my eyes. Oh, hugely, hugely. But I think, um, you know, I haven't spoken to enough uh, galleries in, in regards to feedback about how many collectors are actually coming through the door. Like, I've heard it's been good. Um, exact numbers, I'd be interested in finding out. But... Yeah. Um, 
yeah, I, I would love to actually speak to maybe some of the people who are so showing and selected just to see if they've actually got any sales at all. Um, it's, yeah. I, I haven't seen a lot of happy faces. No. Uh, I don't have I. any specific numbers or, or you know. But yeah. uh, the general vibe is not one of, uh, of, of clicking heels and no. uh, cackling laughter, you know. But, I mean, that's the weird thing about an art fair, too, is because it's a public event, and you want a lot of people to come through. But there's different levels. There's people, the art-going public, who are not necessarily the buying public, who just want to come in and engage and see. Yeah. And then there's the collectors, you know, and that's a very smaller, it's, you know, it's, it's a tiny group of people in reality. Yeah, so yeah. you can say, oh, there's nobody here. But if they're selling, it doesn't matter in that sense. I mean, at the end of the sure. day, it comes down to money. They spend yeah. a fortune to come here. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, there has to be some sort of baseline. Yeah, I think when it comes down to it, when with, with audience, and if, you know, if people are going to come along just as spectators and actually buy, it's... Um, you then have to build an educational program into the fair to obviously, you know, let people understand why is they're here in the first place, and also maybe they'll change their mind and maybe invest in you know bio work or something. But what I've noticed as well, there's there's not enough talks happening. Uh, really, at the back of the fair, there's a huge space that's pretty much completely ignored. Yeah. I think they could utilize that space a bit better. And at the same time as well, I think the, um, you know, there should be double the amount of talks, really. Yeah. And if anything, there should be more um, talks for people who are like completely novices when it comes to buying art. Um, and secondly as well, which I've found, it's supposed to be an international fair where it's primarily focusing on European and North American galleries. But the, so several of the talks are purely only in Danish, which I think of what's happening is um, it's actually negatively dividing the audience because they're feeling uh, left out yeah absolutely and, and i think if you're doing an international fair the language pretty much has to be english to be honest because uh it's what you know. that's what we're doing here you know there's 50 yeah. percent galleries not from denmark that's a yeah. you know uh, that, that, that's what's happening sure. so they need to follow that through yeah. to the end yeah in every way yeah and i think you're right i think there's a there's like a, there's a really interesting initiative out of atlanta in the united states about developing photography collectors okay um and it's it's this woman who's really put a lot of effort into she has a grant for example she has a $10,000 grant for people who come up with good ideas about engaging non-art going publics with art mm-hmm. and and that sort of thing actually really there isn't a lot of that the art world doesn't tend to reach outside of its own frame to try to bring people in yeah yeah I guess so um, I just thought about what you said just now about how maybe having a talk about like hey have you never bought art yeah we'll check this out you know here's 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 some people who do this and here's why mm. they do it and yeah well, I think it'd be interesting to actually, you know, when you go to most fairs, the, the, the talks are all very similar. You'll have two people who are supposedly like specialists in that particular area and they'll sit and they'll have, you know, they're supposed to discuss one thing, but they end up just uh, milking each other's egos and they barely go into the actual uh, point of the discussion. But uh, I think it would be quite interesting to change that system and get to the point where it's actually like not like round table discussions, but people in the audience are actually more so encouraged to actually part of the conversation. Uh, and if anything, the um, the people up on the stage, they should be like moderators of it as right. opposed to just talking about what they think. Well, they tried you know? to make some round table discussions, but they didn't advertise them enough. Uh, every Every day, I'm, I'm actually supposed to be part of them, and every day, nobody shows up. Yeah, well, and I think that's a lack of, of knowledge about it. Sure, sure. Maybe not enough outreach to to people, you know. Exactly. Um, but no, I, this this morning I went to um, an event that was 
pretty much primarily for Danish artists and curators. And this was outside of um, outside of the fair, and it was like a thing called speed dating. And basically, there was um, I forgot the name of the venue which it was uh, organised in. But basically, what happens there is like a, a big gallery space. That's where I got the books from earlier. Dim free, yeah. and. The speed dating was a, like maybe like 10 curators, something like that. Uh, and they all had a name on a table, and they sat at the same table, and artists were invited. And basically, the artists had to jump from one curator to the next curator to the next curator and present their work and have a 20-minute dialogue. And Did they get feedback? Was it a, a portfolio review kind of thing? Or was it more, uh, more like, do, am I interested? Will we get some sort of relationship out of this? Yeah, I think both. And at the same time as well, I think maybe uh, I think good curators should always have their ear to the ground and understand what artists are thinking about so they're always uh, current, you know? Well, a good forum for that is good because, I mean, so many people, if you're a gallery or a curator or whatever, you just, there's a flying wall of shit coming at you constantly. Yeah. So if you have some sort of space for it where you say, okay, we're going to delineate a time for this and this is what's happening now they can be more open yeah they can be more receptive there's no pressure there isn't this whole like please 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 let me in uh you know kind of thing uh, so that's another thing which kind of maybe needs more infrastructure in yeah, reality sure, sure but i think it was, it was such an interesting kind of format um but at the same time you know i think everybody expects typical talks at fairs but you know the fair could quite easily actually um be a bit more innovative and actually create a new format for these talks. And I'm, I'm not. I'm trying to make a bit of a comparison here. Like it could be quite good to have this kind of like, you know, speed dating idea at a fair. Why not? Like why not have um, some leading artists and like you know leading gallerists sitting down and for an hour. Uh, you know, maybe like a hundred people can go in or something like that or whatever, but they get like five minutes with each person. Right. And then they walk away and it's like engagement, education, and also as well, they actually feel um, involved in the arts as opposed to there being um, this division where, you know, the, the gallery or whatever doesn't want to talk to the public unless they're buying only. I think you know, there's definitely a responsibility from a fair and everybody's involved in a fair, yeah. making sure that the audience is 100% engaged. I definitely think that you, I, that's, I mean, you're, all these great ideas are popping into my head now that you're saying this, because that's yeah. absolutely right, because a fair is not really, most fairs have not really jumped out of the frame that they built in order to make them, mm-hmm. you know, but they've become such a powerful force in the art world that, uh, that it makes a lot of sense to try to combine forces, like have artists do a, do a, do a fair, which was 50% artist run, 50% gallery run, for example. Yeah. You know, or curators or non-commercial interests blending it together. Clearly, motherfuckers need to make money. We know this. Yeah, you know, of course, but, yeah. but, you know, if you want to engage the public, develop some sort of project, do any sort of thing. Yeah. You know, the, the strictly commercial frame is not great. Yeah, but then, then it's more about... Um uh, institutions who are not necessarily sales orientated and you know you can go along there see some good art and then you won't sell obviously nothing's for sale uh, that's you know these institutions are more kind of educational kind of platforms and spaces and also the, the shows there obviously mark the uh, the kind of level of professionalism of the artists who are involved but if you had a fair for instance that wasn't necessarily sales orientated um and then it comes down to more, I would say, like academic level kind of art because it's more orientated not towards sales, but it's more focusing on like theoretical kind of academic style artwork. But what about a hybrid? 
yeah, yeah. See, if just, possible, you know. Yeah, like I, I kind of think I think about this a lot, and I, I speak to a few people about this. But I think, um, you know, you get these kind of collective spaces that you know pop up in each city, and you know they're kind of free. Um, I don't know how can I put this. Like there's just non-sales based uh, collective spaces and. Artist-driven spaces, artist driven spaces, et cetera. spaces, stuff like that. But generally, a lot of the artists who are involved in those, and I don't want to overly generalize my, my, what I'm going to say, but they're very academic. Very academic, are under, they're quite, you know, they're not really going to be making work that's going to sell that easily. Right. Um, so if you had this kind of fear, like you said, uh, yeah, it could be good, but I think it would be very hard to get a huge audience through. Yeah. Well, it's, again, it's getting everybody on board and bringing their own, you know, world to that. If you could do that, then... Yeah. Well, if you think about it, too, a lot of these spaces that, you know, maybe don't have much funding, you know, how much of a, an attraction, uh, you know, do they have, like, by the mass public, you know? If you think <laughs> about this, the galleries that are here, they, they spend a lot of money generally on marketing, too, and their names are constantly popping up on social media, in magazines, in even referenced in books and, you know, artist CVs and some of these other kind of um, spaces, like nobody really heard of them, you know? Well, they come and they go, too. You know, they don't yeah, have, fleeting, uh, yeah. you know, a financial basis for long-term survival yeah but they, you know they do some like brilliant you know brilliant shows to do but um but you know also i mean like in new york there was for several years an artist-driven art fair which was not academic or theoretical these were just uh it was there was a selection process so the quality was fairly high okay. of artists selling directly to collectors what was it called do you remember or see that's the goddamn thing i don't remember <laughs> but it was very well received it worked okay. you know because usually those things end up being a shit show yeah there's a fair lot of them are kind of really bad but they had a model which which seemed to function and i know it was in a hotel lobby or not the lobby but like they had one of those like you know, conference center kind of deals. Yeah, yeah. But but through the the act of selection and curating the uh, participation, they created something which actually was very well received, and that sort of thing gives me hope. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I think it, it really depends on the quality of the curators in the first place to do this. Like, I think maybe I'm speaking very generalized, but but obviously it could be super high quality, or it, it could be very questionable. Like some of the affairs maybe we've seen before that are artists you know managed but they can be really quite poor but then they could be fantastic yeah yeah but they usually end up jumping on over to the you know maybe an artist starts a gallery but then they're just a gallerist yeah. at the end of the day you know that's just what happens yeah yeah but what about you uh, what about this article you're writing for uh blue in our info yeah, yeah. it's um well, it's just going to be a review of the fair and some highlights of uh, of the fair of like, you know whose work I think has been you know interesting and uh, you know I do I run a thing called Haunted Projects, which is like artist interviews. Um, I do this. Um, oh, that's your thing because you told me about it the other day. I didn't realize that was yours. Yeah, Haunted Projects. Oh. Is all the interviews I've done and. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. Yeah, you know it's good fun, and I also do that at the same time as my own practice of you know painting. So it's. Um, it's kind of nice to mix it up and obviously a lot of the artists who are showing here at Code I've been aware of their work for a long time um, but you know I live in Edinburgh so it's very hard to see some of the works in person um, so it's nice and the article which I'm writing will obviously incorporate um, you know a fair few artists who I've known for a long time and I really admire their work and there's also been a few artists I've never even seen before and it's kind of nice to discover their work here at the fair so yeah I think the article will mix both my personal interests like from my like, kind of hunted projects background um, 
and also as well, I'm trying to be quite uh, fair and also, you know, um, highlighting some new artists who I just haven't, you know, I didn't know before, uh, you know, Wednesday last week. Mm. Um, and also I've been returning to a lot of the same works because I've been here daily uh, and just seeing if, I'm, if it's still having the same kind of um, effect on me. That helps a lot. Yeah, yeah, definitely. As opposed to just seeing it on like an Instagram image or just by you know, photographing a computer, you know, because yeah. everything looks glossy and nice on a phone, you know. It's true. It all looks, but it all kind of looks the same too, in a weird way. Yeah, you get no understanding of depth, texture, yeah. surface, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. yeah. But I mean, that is probably one of the things you could say about our fairs is that it's it's you really do have to spend the time because you can easily. Uh, you know, go, go walk through the whole thing in 15 minutes and be like, oh, yeah. done it, you know. Easy, easy. You could easily do that. And especially because code isn't that big, you could probably do that in 15 minutes quite easily. Yeah. But um, yeah, there's some really good work, engaging work. There's new works I've, you know, that I've never seen before. And um, yeah, like, I know, I think the, the kind of Perez project space here, like, you know, is really you know, brilliant. They've obviously made the most of it. Um, and what other spaces? Also. Is that your favorite so far? I, I don't or something have, like that? No, nah, no, nah, I, just, I just like what they've done because they've got um, a painting that's like nine meters long, mm-hmm. you know, and it's kind of different for the fair too. And they've also got like a floor installation at the same time. So it's um, it's been an interesting space to kind of walk through. Um, I don't know, who else has been kind of standing out for me? Um, I don't know what, it's, you know, I think... I've got favorite galleries from here, so I'm not I'm not going to name drop just you know gallery names, but sure. um, yeah, I don't know. It's been some really good things. But. It's a, it's a nice setup. It works. I mean, aside from all the other kind of satellite issues around it, if you take just the fair, just the core of code itself, yeah, I would say it's it, it it's nice. It's well done. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's they they have a pretty ambitious program. They invited people who have not been in Denmark before and tried yeah, to present. True. That's true something and you know the hope is that there's enough action to make to make it interesting for people to come back again next year yeah i think it was interesting as well like i was speaking to uh, steve turner and uh, steve turner actually started out um i think the first time he said he was in copenhagen was 33 years ago and he came over to copenhagen and you know fell in love with you know the place and started collecting like old um, like paper based works from like mm-hmm. old booksellers mm-hmm. and um, he, you know he's been here many times but it's the first time he's actually exhibited in Copenhagen obviously like through a fair um, and for him he was like this. it's almost like a full circular thing finally because you know one time like 33 years ago he was here but probably never imagined finally showing and um, yeah I know there's uh, there's multiple other galleries I'm sure have got similar stories but um well, here's to it happening next year. That's my hope. You know, well, yeah, that, 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 that it remains international because there's just not enough Danish galleries to make it this interesting. You need that yeah. dynamic kind of inter-collaborative. Yeah. I think, you know, as well, like we said, as, as long as it's busy enough, uh, you know, hopefully I'll come back. But, you know, the galleries here, like, for instance, like Steve's, um, he had a personal draw to come here as well because of his, you know, his past. Some of the other galleries here, they might just do it once. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, and, yeah, just maybe not be interested. Right, but and that's the nature of it. Everybody knows there's no guarantee when you sign up for something like this. Good luck. That's what's, you know, everybody does their best to make it happen, but no one knows what's going to happen. True, very true. 
but no, I'm quite positive. But, so, um, wait, tell me about Hunted Projects. Let's, let's talk about that for just a second here. Yeah, uh, Hunted Projects, actually, it's quite an interesting little story there. Um, basically, I did my master's degree in curating and art theory at uh, Edinburgh College of Art. And um, whilst I was studying there, I was doing a little bit of curating, like doing pop-up like group shows in like bars and um, little kind of farm spaces and stuff, uh, you know, hireable rooms in, you know, like hotels, whatever. And um, basically, when I got to a point where I kind of wanted to make a bit, you know, a bit more serious, so... Um, I was like lying in bed one night and I was like, all right, okay, I need to, I need to kind of launch something. And this is, sorry, this is before I started on the projects. I was, I was basically curating shows just, um, uh, through like the name of the venue that I was doing it in or whatever. So yeah, one night I was in bed and basically I had this kind of like idea. I was like, oh, I'm going to start up a new kind of curatorial project. Uh, within two weeks, I came up with the name Hunter Projects, and then I also had 28 artists, uh, like DJs, bands. I took over a huge space in Edinburgh and launched Hunter Projects, and it was about uh, like 300 people in opening night, a huge party, and then basically I did monthly exhibitions around Edinburgh. Um, and I think it lasted for maybe around like a year or so of just constantly doing this. And it was all like non-sales, but I was you know basically featuring really good artists from scotland there's a few guys from new york that exhibited as well and then um yeah and then i i was starting to realize that the actual dialogue with the artist was the thing that i was becoming more uh, interested in so i've kind of i've kind of slacked a little bit on the curatorial side but i find that the interviews i do with hunting projects today is you know it's important because i'm choosing i'm you know selecting artists you know very consciously uh, much like a curator would do you know a curated exhibition um i don't like interviewing this anybody I, I try to understand the artist's practice and also at the same time have a, a bit of a relationship with those artists and interview them because i'm passionate about their work you know yeah is that where do people find that where can they engage with that um, yeah, you, you know, online, online. Google it, Hunted Projects. Yeah, huntedprojects.com. Yeah, yeah I checked it out. Um, at first, I thought it was, like, when you told me about it the other day, I thought it was a gallery. And yeah. I was kind of confused. Well, they started, like, when I was doing the, uh, the inter- sorry, when I was doing the curator exhibitions, it was under the moniker of Hunted Projects. And I, I don't want to drop the name because I don't like this idea of it being um, so connected to my name, you know? Um, That's the same with this program. Yeah, I like to keep it kind of anonymous in a, in a sense because people, you know, become familiar with Hunter Projects and there's a lot of people I've met here actually code. And I tell them, oh, I'm Stephen Cox, I also do Hunter Projects and they're like, oh, wow, you're, you're Hunter Projects. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, cool, I really like, you know, your interviews and what you do and stuff. Um, whereas if it was just like Stephen Cox, it's, people then would say, oh, but you're a painter and interviewer and this. And it's just too mixed. And I like to try and have that division within myself, you know, with what I do, yeah. I think it's a good idea. Yeah, but no, the, the, at the moment... Um, yeah, I've got tons of interviews coming out in the next probably couple of months. I've got, uh, I'm actually, I'm not even going to say anything just in case anything happens. But uh, Check it out. Just yeah, go see check it. it out. Check it out. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, do you have anything else you want to add about code or about uh, any of it? Uh, I guess people yeah. should go check out your work too. Just don't confuse it with Hunted Projects. Yeah, you can see that on stephencox.co.uk. But I've got an upcoming show in, uh, in October with Anna Ruma Gallery in Naples, in Italy. So, um, yeah, back in Edinburgh, I'm just kind of finishing up a bunch of... Time to get to work. New work, yeah, which is, which is cool. This is cool. But, um, Great. Well, we'll put links to everything up on the uh, 
on the show notes here. Yeah. How are you feeling? Are you tired? I'm pretty, yeah, yeah, I'm tired. I mean, it's hard, you know, because I'm like, here we have this booth and it's for talking with people, but when nobody's here, I'm kind of like trying to engage with the public and you have that whole like, uh, hey, 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 nice to meet you. Hey, 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 you know. <laughs> yeah, come here, come here. <laughs> and it's tiring. It's psychologically tiring. And then, you know, when you're at these events going on in the city, you end up staying up late. You end up talking yeah, to course. people. You end up having a beer too many, you know. Yeah. So by the end of it, you're pretty rallied. Yeah, yeah. Have you spoken to many people that's like Joe Blogs, you know, just random people to see what they think of the fair as well? I haven't. I haven't. And I would love to. Um, the problem is I think like uh, my location here is a little weird where I am physically in the fair and I think people don't really stop to engage yeah, yeah. I feel like I should be inside of code yeah yeah sure um, so I mean you know it's 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 uh, it's a good experience I'm glad I did it and uh, I'm also going to be glad when I get all this furniture delivered back and uh, yeah and, and get to sleep in a little looks bit looks good I like the style it's definitely, uh, it's, uh, there's nothing else like it here, I'll say that. Well, <laughs> it brings a new level of shabby chic kind of to it. That's cool, I like that. Oh, shout out to Red Cross, everything's copped from there. Well, yeah, everybody should donate more, so I'll just give you the furniture for next year. <laughs> would you come back next year then? Yeah. Uh, if it was a different, if I wasn't right where I am right now, here, Yeah. I would be happy to come back, but I would rather, I want to do more of a visual installation. Cool. Because obviously it's a sound piece, but people don't really know how to engage with it on that level. Yeah. I want to yeah. create an exhibition of, of either works by people who've been on the show or uh, an installation by hire an artist to come make something. That sounds Because I want more engagement with the public and just having microphones, I don't think draws people in yeah they're just kind of like uh what is this is this mm. you know what, what's going on over here so that's the whole thing is the, like next time more visual experience sure and is, how is the support being as well from the fair itself uh they've been very supportive uh there's been uh, some organizational uh misunderstandings uh-huh. as there are often yeah yeah with these sort of things but uh but i mean they were i i suggested the idea to them and they jumped right on it and they've uh facilitated this space you could say in a lot of ways yeah so i mean i guess also the question is whether this here is a media project i do or some sort of practice thing i do and i don't know if you have the same questions about hunted projects but I've kept it separated. It's not a practice. Yeah, I try and keep it separated as well. You know, I get people asking me directly, are you going to open a gallery? I'm like, well, no, I'm happy with what I do just now, how, how it works. I think people who know about it enjoy it for what it is. Um, I think, if anything, it'd be more about filling other people's expectations about opening a gallery because it seems like the obvious idea. But, um, no, I like there being a division because... You know, I think that artists need more opportunities to actually just speak about their work. You know, um, I'm just basically a facilitator that makes it happen. Yeah. You know? I don't know many other artists who also do much writing in that sense. You know, you, get, you right. do get nice, like really nice text by artists who do text on behalf of other artists. You know, for like introductions to books. Sure. But uh, there's not tons of it online. There's not loads. But um, yeah. But, well, I mean, it's also a balance between having time for your own practice and uh, having, you know, the energy to do other projects. You know, you don't want it to step too much in the way of your original goal, which was your own work. Well, exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah there's definitely times when I'm doing maybe like a difficult interview with an artist, um, particularly, you know, somebody who's like really quite theoretical. You've got to go and do quite a lot of research. And I think at the moment with 100 Projects, there's something like 50, 50 interviews or mm-hmm. something like that online. Mm-hmm. Um, with a lot of the painters, I understand their practices anyway, but when it comes to more installation or sculptural kind of artists, uh, yeah, it's a lot of work. You know? 
Yeah, and you know, maybe you have a show like you just mentioned, and you really should be focusing on that. Yeah, totally. So that is where it becomes a little bit. Uh, you know, it can it can be. Uh, you know, if you had a gallery, imagine how much more work that would be. Yeah, of course. I'm just being insane. Yeah, no way. <laughs> no way. And I'm happy with the painting. And uh, you know, at the moment, I'm kind of taking a, a small step back from the hundred projects interviews to just be in the studio every day. You know, I'm in the studio like like fourteen, fifteen hours a day, just working all the time and. At least six days a week. I'm in the That's studio. what I like to hear. Yeah, well, you've got to get you know you got to put the hours in to get the work made, you know. And it's like my painting is really you know labor intensive. You know, it's a lot of a lot of layering in my paintings, and uh, you know, um, you know, you got a lot of these like painters here. They're very you know process driven, so you know they could probably knock out some of the paintings like really quite quick, you know, to an extent. And I mean that in a really kind of positive, polite manner, you know, because I, mean, I love their works. But because um, I'm using oil paint and it's really thick oil paint too, um, you know, I'm probably working on like something like five or six paintings at once. Is that like a drying thing? It's got to like dry in between. Yeah, um, yeah. exactly, exactly. Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah, it's it's just time. We don't, we never. There's never enough hours in the day. It's always honestly. fucking time. It's always time. But uh, yeah, well, thanks for thanks for coming on. And uh, next time you come back to Copenhagen, we'll have you on to talk more about your own work. Yeah, I'll be up for that. That sounds yeah. good. That sounds good. Cool, man. Thanks. Cool. Appreciate it. Cheers, dude. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Undergang Armchair. The intro and outro music was kindly provided by Johnny Ripper, and today's interstitial music was provided by RC. You can find links to their music and tons of other conversations with great people on our convention center of a website, undergang.net. If you do like this show, we would greatly appreciate it if you take a moment to leave a review on iTunes. It helps other people find the program. This show is produced in part with the kind support of the Danish Arts Council. Thank you for joining us. Thank you.